You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 292, Small Groups in the Year 2020, Part 2. Last week we talked about, and we kind of introduced this subject, you know, we, we talk about this at least once a year, I'll, I'll do some material on leading small groups and how important they are for the life of any church. It always amazes me that I'll run into pastors or I'll come, in contact, come into contact with churches that have no small group structure whatsoever, and then the pastors and leaders are somehow surprised that when COVID-19 happens and people aren't meeting, you know, for six months or even longer in some cases, that their people tend to just drift away. And, you know, there's a cause and effect relationship here. If their relationships aren't deep, if their relationships aren't strong, it's very easy for people to drift away. So even in the midst of COVID, I would actually argue that this is probably... Um, one of those times in history when small groups are more important, um, literally, than they've been since uh, since maybe even the beginning of the church or, or, or those places where the church is being persecuted. You know, you can look in China and see the, the, the incredible, explosive growth of the church. But this is often, these are house churches. These are small churches. These are small groups. And so, Looking at a small group structure in your church and making sure it's strong and healthy is absolutely essential during these uncertain times. Um, I mentioned last week, you know, the parts of Europe right now are shutting back down. This is in November of 2020, and the 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 virus still appears to be on the rise in some areas, and so um, different countries in Europe are actually shutting back down. In America, several states are still pretty much completely closed while others are starting to open back up. Many churches are still not meeting. Um, some churches are being forced to meet outside or they're having to downsize and have much smaller services. So there's so many crazy invariables, but one of the things that we need to make sure is is is, is not changing is, is our small group structure. And, um, whether you're meeting in a home or whether you're meeting digitally, people need connection. So last week we talked about the Three important reasons, the things that these uh, connect groups, small groups really do for every church is, is their um, function, really the primary uh, discipleship ministry of the church, helping people to understand what it means to really follow Christ. Uh, they provide most of the pastoral care for the church. And of course, this is a different model than many people have grown up with because, of course, in the traditional model, the pastor does everything. He does all the services, he does all the visitation, he does all the pastoral care, counseling, etc. When in reality, that was never, never, never God's intention when you look at the New Testament church. 
So in a, in a, in a healthy small group structure, a health, healthy group, uh, a ministry where, where churches have small groups, connect groups, live groups, whatever you want to call them, the pastoral care is pushed down to that level and 90 to 95% of the pastoral issues are taken care of in that context. And then, of course, they also provide a great place to develop other leaders. It's a place for people to practice, a people, place for people to use their spiritual gifts, and people to grow into all that God's called them to. Well, today, I want to jump into this important area of who can lead a small group. Um, if, if this is so important, and if this is in many ways, um, really kind of what the church is left with if they're not able to meet, then obviously we're going to need more small group leaders. We're constantly raising up new small group leaders in our church. And uh, in so many of the churches that I work with, we're encouraging them, raise up your new, new leaders, raise up new small group leaders. Because first of all, it's vitally important to have these these leaders um, to, to lead, really to lead people in a, in a smaller setting. But also, these are going to be your leaders for the future. So who can lead a small group? What, what are the requirements? What does it take to lead um, a, a group that meets in somebody's house, in a living room, or maybe in a restaurant or a cafe, or maybe even in this COVID season, you're doing what a lot of the groups in our church are doing. They're meeting in a park. They're meeting outside where people who might have reservations about being in an enclosed environment feel more comfortable when they can meet outside. So what are what are the requirements for somebody to lead lead a group? A number of years ago when we were living in Brazil, a close friend of mine, um, relatively new believer, uh, I was actually challenging him to to lead, to start a small group for young adults. And he was absolutely terrified. He said, man, I don't know anything. I'll say the wrong thing. They're going to ask me questions, and I don't know. And, you know, and I just gave him a couple of simple questions. I said, man, do you love God? And he said, yeah, 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 you know I love God. Well, okay, that's a good place to start. You know, somebody who loves God, who who is growing in their faith, um, they don't have to have all the answers. In fact, I would argue it's probably better that they don't uh, because we're all on the journey together, and nobody's got all the answers. And we're all learning as we go. So, so someone who loves God and is growing in their faith. Now, now, how does that express itself? You know, somebody can say, I love God, but they never crack open their Bible. They can say, you know, I love God, but I never pray. Um, you know, so there's got to be some fruit in their life. And that's why I say somebody who's growing in their faith. They don't have to be perfect, but there, have to be, there has to be some fruit there. What are, what are they doing to to really demonstrate this love for God. And so not only do they have to love God, but, but but I asked my friend, I said, do you love people? He said, man, I love people. You know I do. And he did. He's got a just a real soft heart, a very pastoral heart. He's always wanting to help others. And I said, you know, then, then that's really the second thing, man. If you love God and you love people, you care for people. You're willing to listen. You're willing to um, work with people and help them, you know, on their journey Man, I can't think of any two greater um, characteristics for somebody to lead a small group. To what you know, what two greater requirements can you have? But then we would also say someone who 
who attends church regularly. I mean, we're not going to have somebody leading a small group if they don't even come to church, of course. So there's got to be, and that, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with that that bearing fruit. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all together. But we love God. We love people. We're a part of the church. We're serving. We're growing. And uh, so somebody attend, who attends church, and then obviously someone who's also been a part of a small group. You know, one of our, our, our favorite ways to raise up small group leaders is we'll have them assist another leader for a couple of semesters. You know, because sometimes people just don't feel comfortable leading a group all by themselves. In fact, my friend that I mentioned from Brazil, he and his wife had actually helped us lead a small group before I challenged him to start his own. And, you know, it's in that environment that people get an opportunity to get a taste of leadership, to get a taste of what goes into running a meeting, to get a taste in all the things that need to be thought about and, and helping you care for the people and the, whatever administration needs to be done and just the, the things that go into it. It's great to have somebody assist because they don't have to carry the full weight. They don't have to carry the full load and they begin to get a feel for what it means to, to really help other people. So someone who's been a part of a small group and then preferably somebody who's assisted in leading a small group because then you got you get an idea is this person going to be an effective leader is this person bearing fruit in their life um, can this person lead a discussion or do they just want to hear themselves talk and that's an important question so so these are just a few of the thoughts a few of the requirements that we kind of throw out there for for people to lead a small group you know we we actually make the bar as low as we can um, you know without compromising without <laughs> You know, Craig Rochelle says, we'll, we'll do anything short of sin to help f- people find Jesus. And there's a lot to be said for that. And kind of in sm- leading small groups, you know, we don't um, say that, but we do really say that we want to push the bar down as low as we can so that we can have as many quality people becoming leaders as, ab- as, as, as we can. Because, you know, again, the goal is leading, the goal is helping, the goal is serving other people, especially during these crazy days. And so we want to have as many leaders doing that as we possibly can. Well, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we grow our group? That's going to be the next thing we talk about. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. Now, next week... We're going to talk a little bit more about connect groups and small groups, and we're going to actually talk about some of the different things in curriculum that you can go through and different formats that you can use. Um, you know, it's always good to have a plan when you're leading a group, but um, my book, New Testament Snapshots, is an excellent tool for leading um, a group with. The the chapters, 12 chapters, deals with 12 of the lesser-known uh, people in the in the New Testament, and these these folks provide great great material for discussion because you know people are people. It doesn't matter whether it was two thousand years ago or whether it was yesterday. We're all people. We all have a human nature. We all have our struggles and our issues. And when we look at the New Testament, we see obviously we see the people who we know well: Jesus and Peter and Paul and you know so many others. But there's so many other people that we don't know. They just kind of pop up occasionally. 
But I think what you'll find, and what I found as I really started studying, is that there's enough material there to really learn a lot about some of these folks if we're willing to just dig a little bit. So anyway, New Testament Snapshots is a great resource as we're talking about leading small groups because the chapters are pretty short, but there's there's some great material here for to talk about, to have discussion about, and then apply to our lives. So check out New Testament Snapshots if you need something for your own personal Bible study or for a great, great resource for your small groups. Well, okay, how do I grow my group? How do I how do I start a group? How do I gather people together? Because I think sometimes, and in some settings, maybe this is even true in a church, is we expect the leaders to just give us people. Um, you know, we, we think that if I say, hey, I'll lead a group, and, you know, we just kind of throw our name out there, that people will just automatically show up. But that's not re- re- reality. Um, it's much more realistic to understand that you have to go out and gather people, and you have to work to grow a group. And so that's really what we teach our leaders and assistant leaders is when uh, when we ask someone to lead a group, now it's, okay, now let, go find some people. And, you know, sometimes they get frustrated because they'll come back and say, you know, I've, I've only got three people that are coming to my group. And we say, that's incredible. Are you kidding me? You've got three people that now you've got influence over for this next semester. And of course, you can add people during the semester, but but we don't get caught up so much in the numbers. Uh, we want to see people, you know, really going and cultivating relationships and growing and 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 pulling people. And so, how do we how do we grow a group? First of all, you've got to have a vision for the group. What do you want the group to look like? I mean, is it going to be a Bible study? Is it going to be a group that talks about a book like I just mentioned, New Testament snapshots? Is it going to be a group that maybe studies the pastor's sermons? and talks, you know, discusses those when they meet. Or maybe it's going to be just a a fun group, maybe a fellowship group. Maybe you're just going to get together and, you know, have a great meal and just kind of enjoy being together. There's nothing wrong with those kind of groups either. Um, You know, I've got some friends who lead uh, athletic groups. One of my friends leads a fitness group, and it's mostly um, younger guys, and they, they get out and they play flag football or they play basketball or softball or, you know, whatever, but they're they're having fun, they're being physical, they're enjoying their time together, but it's not, you know, they're not getting together and studying the Bible. Um, but what, what do you want the group to look like? What what do you, what's your vision for it? Where do you, where do you want to go? And, you know, like I say, every group's not created equal, and it's, there's no, there's nothing wrong with having a group that's um, more spiritual or less spiritual, you know, the main thing is that you're creating an atmosphere for people to get together and build relationships. Now, what we would ask is, at least at some point in whatever group you have, that you share a scripture and that you have a prayer. And so for, for our friends who do the the athletic group, either before or after, they, they play whatever it is they're playing that day. They'll get together. They'll, they'll talk for just maybe five minutes. Somebody will share a scripture. One of the leaders will share a verse or two of the Bible talk about it, they'll have a prayer, and then they'll move out. And this is this is less threatening for people that maybe aren't church people. You can do this, and it's a much less threatening environment instead of hey, you know, having people come in and study the Bible. But what's your vision? 
Um, you want to, whatever group you have, you want to create a positive, faith-filled atmosphere. People are attracted to this kind of group. People don't want to come where it's depressing. And, you know, we're just talking about politics or negative things or COVID or whatever. Look, let's get together and talk about things that are positive and uplifting. And let's encourage each other. People need encouragement. There's enough discouragement going around that if you can just create a positive atmosphere, people are going to flock to you. And then another way we want to grow our group is we just talk to people. We contact people. We make some phone calls. We text. We send some emails. Um, you know, we want to we want to just throw it out there to as many people. And if we end up with you know, three or four, that's great. I mean, the, the rule of thumb that we use is if you invite 10 people, you'll probably have two, three, maybe four come. If you invite 10 and get four to show up, you've done an amazing job. And if you've got a connect group with three or four people, that is an outstanding start to a connect group. Because what we find in our church and in the churches that we work with the average size connect groups probably four people, maybe five. Um, and, you know, that's a great, great group. I've been in some that are bigger. I've been in some that are smaller, but, but that's a great group. One of the groups I'm leading right now, we average about six guys on a Saturday morning. And so, look, it doesn't matter. The size doesn't matter. The main thing is that you're doing it and that you're connecting with your people. You know, you want to talk to new people. You want to invite them to your group. Sometimes people are just waiting for an invitation. You know, visitors come into church. Why not be the first person to meet them and talk to them? And maybe your group's not the best fit for them, but maybe you can hook them up with your friend who's leading another group that might be a better fit. Maybe you're leading a group of singles and, you know, it's a young family. Man, hook them up with one of the, 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 the young adults or the young family groups. But the main thing is meet new people talk to them, and invite them. Because I just see it so often, we think, oh, you know, they're not going to be interested. In reality, people are waiting to be invited. They want to be invited. And then we want to also encourage our group members to serve in different areas. Because when our members serve throughout the church, and you've got a good connect group going, they're going to talk that thing up. They are going to talk that thing up. If they're serving and part of the, the greeting team, they're standing at the front door and they're welcoming people as they come in, they're going to be talking to the people they're working with. Man, my connect group is so good. It's so powerful. It's so encouraging. And you're going to have other people want to join as well. So let your people be evangelists for your connect group, um, but also encouraging them to serve as part of the discipleship process. And then spending time with your people. Spending time with your people. You know, because every now and then I'll see a leader, they'll, they'll get a little momentum, and then they'll start to see people drift away from their group. And when you dig in a little bit, usually the reason for this is that the leader was able to gather, he was able to get some people together, but he didn't know how to hold on to them. And we're not talking about control here. We're just talking about leading well. And the way we hold on to people is we build the relationships. We contact them. We text them. We call them periodically. Maybe send an email. If you think about somebody during the week in your group, 
shoot them a text. Let them know that you're thinking about them. Say a prayer for them and just tell them, hey, listen, I was praying for you today. Um, remember birthdays, anniversaries, special dates. Celebrate with your people during happy times and be there to cry with them during hard times. When you spend time with your people apart from the group, meals, coffees, whatever, you're building relationships and they they realize that, listen, you know, they're, you're interested in them not just because you come to the group, but because you're a good friend, you're a good person, you're, you're somebody that they want to emulate. And does that take time? Absolutely. Does that take emotional energy? You better believe it. But that's what leadership is. And when you invest in your people, when you um, really spend that quality time with them and reach out to them, I guarantee you they're going to be the people that stick around. They're not just going to drift away um, you know, when things get a little tough. So make sure we do that. So that's how we... Um, we talked about requirements for leading a group, and we talked about requirements or, or, or different things we can do to grow our group and to keep it strong. Next week, we'll be jumping back in and dealing with some other really, really powerful um, things related to small groups that I know you're going to love. Now, I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com, leave me a question or a comment for today's post so that we can stay in touch. While you're there, make sure you drop your email address right in that little box up in the upper right corner so that we can stay in touch. I'll send you my free newsletter every month, and you'll also get my blog. It'll just come right into your in-basket, in, in, in and I promise I'll never give your email address away to anybody. Well, friends, thanks for being with me, and I'll see you next week on email.